Okay, so we are um, we are towards the middle of Gimel Amun Aleph, and uh, we were talking about the order um, of what is mentioned in the first Mishnah, uh, how it goes, etc. Um, and now the Gemara asks a different question. We're at the uh, literally almost exactly in the middle of the page, where the Gemara says Umay Irya, last two words in the line Umay Irya. So the Gemara um, asks, "My area the Tana Potros Litni Listni Asuros." Very a very good good question, right? We we the whole time actually goes back to one of the first questions that uh, that was asked when we talked about this was well when, when the Mishnah says that she's Peturos, that they are Peturos, that the uh, this this woman who cannot perform Yibum and then even her Tzara, who because of her. Cannot perform Yibum. Does that mean that she doesn't have to, or does that mean that she is not allowed to? So, the, and the reason for a little bit of confusion is because the language that's used in the Mishnah is "peturos mina Yibum." Peturos sounds like, well, maybe I just don't have to. Um, and the Gemara says, well, "Why are you telling me potros?" Um, or, sorry, potros here means to be specific. It means that the, this woman makes her tsara petura from Yibum. So I mean, it's, it's 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 not just that she that, that she doesn't do even but but that she's poter right that she makes the other person her co-wife petura from Yibum. But again, is that why why use the language of petura or potros? Use the language of osros that she makes them uh, asura to do Yibum. That would be more that would be more correct because that's the real that's really what's happening here. The real point here is that it becomes now usur for this tsara. Right, to uh, to marry the, the the brother of her former husband, so the listening asura osros say it's asur. So it says the Gemara itana osros have amina asur leyabim aval mechlitz chalza kamash malon. Because if I would have said the language if osros, right, what I, what would I think? So I might think that she is not allowed to. Uh, um, to do yibum, but that chalitza would be appropriate, right? Because you're telling that it'd be po- that she's osros from yibum, so okay. So, but maybe she's allowed to do, um, um, but maybe you should still do chalitza. Right, look, if you look at Rashi, Rashi is in the in the in the wide lines now. One, two. Three go where it says listen to osros the havada asuros he me achashe ena zikugos liyibam vakami be iser eshes ach right first of all use language of, of asura because that's what's really going on here right she, they remain totally forbidden to him so she so it says Rashi havamina osros he would have said osros liyibam bechalitza lo mishdama mehacha she ain iser bechalitza right what's aser the iser or at least the gemara's havamina at this point is what's aser at this point the real iser would be yibam. Right, because yibum again is a is a is a marriage. Yibum involves a physical relationship. Yibum is a the type of situation where either it's a mitzvah or it's an iser. Right, it's one or the other in, in this case. Um, because again, again, we've been talking from the beginning because this woman is always going to be aishas ach. She's going to be the the, bro, the the wife of your brother. So if you want to talk about iser, that applies to yibum. But to chalitza, the language of iser shouldn't ever apply. Because there's no iser to do chalitza. Chalitza just involves the man saying, I'm not interested, and she takes off his shoe and spits on the floor. So it's a, it's a process which maybe is 
appropriate to be done or not appropriate to be done. But there should be no iser in doing chalitza if it's not, you know, if it's not necessary. If two random people wanted to perform chalitza, a man and a woman perform chalitza, there's no iser that they do, even if they have, uh, you know, no, no requirement to do so. And therefore, the, says the Gemara, that's why, because the, the language of osers would imply that the iser is only by yibum, um, and it doesn't tell me anything about, uh, about chalitza. Um, fine. Uh, and it might even imply that I should that she should do yibum, she do chalitza. So the Gemara says, well, wait, that, wait, wait a second. So it says Gemara, velisni asura lachlots. So then, ah, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, velisni asura lachlots. So then say, if you're if you if you're so concerned right, that the language isn't clear, so and that you want to make it clear that it's forbidden to do chalitza also, then write asura lachlots. Right? If you would have used the language of osros, so, uh, and you're so worried that if you say asr by yibum, the implication is that chalitza would be mutter, so say, say uh, it's asr to do chalitza also. And you could have used the language of asura anyways. So it says the Gemara, my what do you mean? It's not asr to do yibum, to do chalitza. If you did, like, like you just said, if I did chalitza, so who cares? Well, what's the difference? And the Gemara says, and the Gemara counters back, what do you mean? There is a problem if you do chalitza when it's not necessary. Once we start allowing people to do chalitza when it's not permissible or not necessary, what's going to happen? They're going to assume anytime there's chalitza, and we're going to see this actual, this rule in general, that we have chalitza and yibum typically go together. So if you have a situation where someone does chalitza when it's not necessary, you actually could lead people to believe that this is a relationship in which yibum would be permissible. Um, and that could be a disaster, obviously. So the, so, um, the Gemara counters, what do you mean? Who cares that it's, uh, that it's uh, forbidden? Who would say forbidden to do chalitza? There's no time it's forbidden to do chalitza. The answer is actually, maybe midr abundant at least, we would forbid chalitza because we don't want people to get the mistaken impression that in this scenario, uh, yibum would be permissible. Um, the obligation is on both of them. The obligation is really on both of them because um, she's she's all, they're they're connected to each other. So he has a they have a, a zika to yibum. So um, you know for her. It's maybe even more uh, important. It's important for both of them. For her, even more important. She's sort of like a woman who needs a get, um, and uh, you know, a woman who's been divorced and now and now needs a get to become free. So, so the without a chalitza, she can't marry somebody else, and without a yibum, you know, again, she, and she's just left by herself. So she needs one or the other to take place. Um, so they really both need, need need to do so. He's required to do chalitza or yibum also. Um, but I guess I guess you would argue that you know in terms of the uh, the uh, severity of the of the iser for her it's more important because you know he technically could get married still uh, without her again today we wouldn't allow someone to to get married without doing so but but the but the technically it, it depends you know it depends on both of them but it um, but certainly more even more important for her um, fine so the gemara. Um, so what's the answer in the end of the day? Came into Mamaka Mitzvah, who the Asira, Tsara, Vishaloba Maka Mitzvah, Sharia, Mushum Hachi, Tani, Potros. So I'll tell you why the language is Potros. The reason is as follows. I'm going to share my screen for a second. It's actually a very good, uh, 
a very good um, in the next page of the Dafa uh, Chaim's pieces here. Uh, um, this this one at the top, number seven. So, um, what's what's the point going on here? So, if you look at Rashi for a second, Rashi says as follows: Kevin de b'makom mitzvah. Well, go go one of Rashi before where he says Alam alo, right? So he says there Alam alo shayach loshon iser. Why why shouldn't you use language of iser? Havada shayach. The language of iser is actually absolutely appropriate. Even when it comes to, even when it comes to the case of chalitza, why? If you if you allow yibum, you allow chalitza. If you will think it's there's there's a requirement of yibum, and that's why again the language of iser osros by chalitza would actually be very relevant. And the point is at this point we've we've uh, had not answered our question, and we still have a problem. It still would seem more appropriate to say the language of iser when it comes to comes to chalitza also. The, the Gemara's answer is came into the Makkah Mitzvah Yibum who the Asira Tsaras Habas who came with Farish Masnison the Mishapatra Hakasuf Mizikas Yibum Kaimale Beishes Ach Sheyesh Lobanu Shalobu Makkah Mitzvah Sharia. What what's going on here? Right. So we have a scenario. What's the reason why the language of of Potros is being used and not a language of Isser? So if you look at the chart on source number seven. Ah, oh, no, source number seven. Uh, the chart number seven that's on the page in front of you. So they just give a very nice basic example, right? What's the case? Ruvain, right, and Shimon are brothers. Ruvain's daughter, Sarah, is married to Shimon, right? We've seen this before. And Shimon has another wife. Her name is Rivka, okay? When Shimon passes away, Ruvain cannot marry Sarah or Rivka. Why? Because the only reason he can't marry Rivka, and he can't marry, Rivka, he can't marry Sarah because she's his daughter, and she can't, he can't marry Rivka because... She is the co-wife of Sarah. That's the halacha that we've been learning in the mission. Correct? Yeah? Okay. So, but what happens in another scenario? Very, very similar, but a little bit different. Let's say there's Reuven and Achshon. Reuven and Achshon are not brothers. They're just friends. Or they don't know each other at all. Right? And Reuven's daughter is married to Nachshon. Okay? And Nachshon has a, another wife, Rivka. What happens if Nachshon dies? Let's assume that Nachshon dies and he has no brothers. Okay? Or let's say Nachshon dies and he has children. But let's just say Nachshon dies. And there's no, uh, there's no requirement of Ruvain to do Yibam with Nachshon, correct? Nachshon's wives, because they're not related. He's not, he's not the brother. And, and yet, Nachshon is married to Ruvain's daughter and another woman. Can Ruvain marry Rivka? The answer is absolutely yes. There's no reason at all that Ruvain can't marry Rivka. Oh, she's the tsara of his daughter. So what? We don't care. The only rule about the tzara of, of, your, of a person's erva and that you can't marry her because she's the tzara is only in a scenario where the mitzvah of yibam is in play. And therefore, says the Gemara, we didn't want to use the language of osros because Ruvain and Rivka are not really usher to each other. They're only usher to each other because of this scenario of yibam. And if there would be some other scenario where, where it's not a case of Yibam, again, not Makal Mitzvah, the Mitzvah of Yibam, then Reuven and Rivka would be permissible to each other. So says the Gemara, basically, we don't want to use the language of, of Osros, that Sarah makes Rivka usher to Reuven, because Sarah only makes Rivka usher to, the language of Osros implies some type of, some type of fundamental Isser. And there is no fundamental Isser per se. There's just an Isser in this case. 
Um, and they went, we didn't want to create a scenario where you make the mistake. Again, just like we don't want to create a scenario where you make a mistake and think things are overly forbidden, we don't want to make statements that make the assumption that things are overly, for, overly permissible. I'm sorry, you usually want to say overly permissible. We don't want to allow something that's overly forbidden either. Uh, we don't need extra chumras either. So the fact that uh, if you would say that Ruvain, that Sarah makes Rivka Asura to Ruvain, that implication is all the time, even though that's only really in a case where, um, uh, where Yuvim is in play. So that, that's what the Gemara means to say uh, that the scenario is a scenario where it's Makal Mitzvah. So since it's B'Makal Mitzvah Huda Asira Tzara, Shol Makal Mitzvah Sharia, Mishimachi Tani Potros, Lelingi Wishes Potros, meaning that the Isser is, that, that the man, may, that, that the Tzara may not marry um, Ruvain, and that's clear, but just to be clear, this, they're not typically always forbidden to each other. It's only here in the case of Yivam that they are. Um, okay. Uh, so continues the Gemara. My area the Tani mina chalitza umin hayibum. This listening mina hayibum lechudei. This is the Gemara does it all the time. Why you know you're going to use specific language in a Mishnah? Let's make sure that it's specific. You can if you can use fewer words. If you can be more concise, you know it's like my English teacher in eighth grade, right? If you can be more concise and say say it more clearly, then you can uh, then then say it, say it in fewer words, right? Why why use uh, why say mina chalitza umina yibum, and certainly why put chalitza first, right? But even more, even more here, listen mina yibum Just tell me, poachers it's sarah saying mina yibum, if it's sarah sarah saying mina yibum, and once I know you can't do yibum, I know you can't do chalitza anyways. So says the Gemara, itan mina yibum have mina michlatz chalitza yevu meilom yavm. If you would have just said um, that she's poach their poachers mina yibum. What might the implication be? She doesn't have to do yibum, but what she does have to do, she does have to do chalitza. As we mentioned before, in situations of suffolk, um, we're going to find many cases in, the, in this mesechta where we say, don't do yibum, but do do chalitza, misafik. So maybe I think the same thing here. If I tell them that to poach rose from yibum, but, not for, but say nothing about chalitza, I might have the havamina, I might have thought that you do chalitza. Even though no yibum kamash malan kola ola la yibum ola la chalitza v'choshe eno ola yibum eno ola la chalitza. So that so the the thing that we learn from here, and 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 this is a very important concept we're going to use all the way throughout the mesechta is anytime someone has yibum or a possibility for yibum, then they have the possibility of chalitza. If they don't have the possibility of yibum, they do not have the possibility of chalitza. They go together. They are one and the same. You might say, so don't say it in the Mishnah. I know, I know it already. The answer sort of, it sounds like the answer to the Gemara is, no, I want to teach you that case right now. Right? The very first Mishnah, Mishnah Sevamas, is teaching us this concept, that Yibam and Chalitza go hand in hand. Fine. So, so the Gemara says, fine. But listen, Mina Yibam, Umina Chalitza. But then why, why did you start the Mishnah? It is very strange if you think about it. Potro Sarusem, et Sarusem, Mina Chalitza, Umina Yibam. Why? Just say, the, the, the mitzvah is yibum. The, the, okay, if yibum doesn't take place, so then we'll do chalitza. Why, uh, why say mina chalitza mina yibum? So the Gemara answers a very fascinating answer. Um, right, sorry, two, 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 two kashas. We listen mina yibum mina chalitza. Either teach me yibum and chalitza for yibum first, inami mina chalitza lechuda. Or just say, they're poted them from chalitza. Once you're saying you're poted them from chalitza, then again, I should know, if they can't do chalitza, they definitely can't do yibam. So, Abba Shohi, 
the Amar Mitzvah's Chalitza Kodemis La Mitzvah's Yibum. So who is the author of our Mishnah, or our Mishnah at least follows the approach of? Abishol. Because Abishol is of the opinion that if you have a choice, if there's a situation where a man dies, he has no children, the, the brother has the uh, uh, now responsibility to, the, to his brother's wife, what's the first thing he should consider doing? Chalitza. Not Yibam. Sounds funny, right? Yibam is a mitzvah. Why not do Yibam? So look at, so, so, so Abishol is of the opinion that no, the first thing you should assume is that he'll do Chalitza. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Look at where it says, first three lines in the bottom, where it says, Venisni Yibam Baresha, you know what? Yeah, Venisni Yibam Baresha, Dehu Iker, right? Yibam is the main thing. Dehaksiv, Imlo Yachwa, Seishla Kachta, Vichatsa. Right, the pasuk says if he doesn't want to take her, do chalitza. But if he does, otherwise, then you do yibum. Alma mitzvah yibum beresha. Right, the whole point is the, the the even the way the pasuk talks about it is do yavam yavaleha. You do do yibum, and if he doesn't want to take her, then do chalitza. It sounds very much like chalitza is the bidiyevet. Chalitza is the you know the the back you know the the backup if we're stuck. So the gemara answers abashalhi says Rashi beperak chalitz. Abashal Omer Hakone. We're gonna see this in, in Lamentes on the base. Abashal Omer Hakone Sivamto Lushum Noi Ulushum Ishus Ki Ilu Pogea Beerva Vikar Beena Lios Havlad Mamzer. A man who marries his Yavama because he thinks she's beautiful or because he really wants to marry her. Ki Ilu Pogea Beerva. It's like it's almost like doing an Isra Erva. And, 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 it, and it seems it seems to me he writes that the, that the that the that the child would be a mamzer. So the child's not really going to be a mamzer. That's not what he means. But the point being, and this and this is we actually said this for a minute, and when we introduced the masechta, why it is that you, you uh, that that uh, Yevamos is the first masechta? Uh, I forget who we quoted who said it that um, that Yivam is an example of uh, a marriage that happens only mishum mitzvah. You're doing it because the Kaddish Baruch says so. Says so. It's not something that. You know, most of the time we get married, it's because we like each other, we feel attracted, we, we enjoy each other's company, etc. We think we'll make a good match, as opposed to Yivam, which is more of a, like a, a chesed, even more than that, it's done because the Torah says so. So you see this very, very strongly in the, in the opinion of Abishol, who's saying that if you marry, if, you, if the Yavama, you know, you say, hey, you know what, actually, I really like her, let's do this. No, says Abishol, then you can't do it. It sounds almost like you can only do Yivam if it's something that you're doing as a responsibility. Or if you're doing it because you, uh, because you really like her a lot, so then, then already you should do Chalitza, which is wild, if you think about it. We'll have to see when we get to Yavashol why that is and what the, what the Svar is for such, a, such an approach. But the bottom line is, if that's the approach of Yavashol, now I understand my Mishnah. My Mishnah begins, these women, and, uh, these, these women are potros at Sarasein, mina Chalitza, why? Because the first thing we look at is, let's do chalitza. Okay, so you don't want to do chalitza, so we can talk about yibam. But the first approach is to assume you're going to do chalitza. Fine, because, because the approach of Abishal. Okay. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to continue now and I'll explain the, the count of 15 in the Mishnah and why the count of 15. Anyone have any questions uh, before we keep going? Okay, all right. So it says the Gemara as follows. This, this count of 15 
it comes to exclude what? The Mishnah, the Gemara will always do this. Whenever the Mishnah gives a number, four things or seven things or eight things or three things, the question always is, why are you giving me a number? If you're giving me a number, you're saying it's this amount and not more than that. And that clearly you're coming to exclude some other cases that maybe people might have wanted to include. So we have 15 examples of women who are not only forbidden to perform Yibam with their brother-in-law, but they make their tzara pater from Yibam also. So why choose 15? And the, and the number, and, the, uh, and also, what is it coming to, uh, what does it come to exclude? If you take a look at Rashi, he explains these two languages. Rashi says, Minyana de Reisha, de mashma tesva visulo. You said 15 and no more. Minyana de Seifa, hare elu potros. De mashma elu visulo. There's two different times in the Mishnah where it seems to exclude others, right? Number one is when it says 15 specifically. Chamesh esrei nashim potros arosein, etc. And then at the way end of the Mishnah, it said, um, not the way end, sorry, in the top of Bezim and Bezim, it said, Bekulhu. Uh, uh, sorry, and again, why does it say So why, why, why are you coming to be so clear that it's 15 and no more? What are you coming to exclude? You can turn now to Gimel Amad Beit. And says the Gemara as follows. It's coming to exclude the opinions of Rav and Rav Asi. And here the Gemara does not even tell us what the opinions of Rav and Rav Asi are, but Rashi thankfully does. So take a look at Rashi. These are two examples. We're going to get into more, much more detail on Dafir Aleph when we get there. But we'll explain them for right now. Look at Rashi. The Rav with the Rav Asi. The Amarav Saras Sota Asura. So the Tsara of a woman who's a Sota becomes Asura. What's the case of Sota? The case is as follows. She imzinsa ishto velo isha acheres umes below banim shteyen peturos. So what's, what's going on here? So Sota doesn't mean only, right? The case of Sota is a man and woman are married. The wife is starting to uh, hang out with another man and the uh, husband becomes, becomes upset. He's worried and he gives her a warning. She shouldn't do that anymore. And then she goes ahead and she does it anyways. Um, and the bottom line here is when the Gemara refers to someone as a Sota, they don't mean someone who's been, you know, uh, who has been... Um, warned or, you know, uh, accused of, of adultery. Here it means that she is actually an adulteress. She actually committed adultery. So, so this woman commits adultery. When a woman commits adultery, she is a sewer to her husband and to the man with whom she committed adultery. And, um, and, and so what happened? So this man has one wife who committed adultery and another wife at the same time. And then he passes away without children. So the halacha is, not only is the sota a surah to the brother, but, she's, but she also patters, according to Rav Asi, she also patters her co-wife. Okay? Um, so that's, that's the opinion of Rav Asi. The fact that Rav does not include her, include this opinion of Rav Asi, so, uh, the opinion of, sorry, Rav, um, comes to exclude this case. And then this case is not one of the 15. Either, either they're arguing that it sounds they're arguing that in that case, the woman maybe does not pater her tzara. Or, you know, what is it exactly that, that excludes her? We're going to have to see as we move on. But the bottom line is, we're excluding this opinion of Rav that the case is a case of uh, tzara's sota. Fine. What's Rav Asi? Continues Rashi. Rav Asi Amar, tzara's asura. 
So what's the case of Alanis? I think we mentioned before that Alanis is a woman who um, does not uh, really go through the process of puberty. So she, typically Alanis, um, a lot of times is like something they find out later. Like that they thought she was going to grow up and she's going to become older and become like a, you know, develop like a regular woman and she doesn't. And that could be a situation of a Mecca Chetov. So even though they got married, but uh, you know, later on the man can say, this is not what I had in mind. She also can't reproduce, etc. So, um, so this is a case where let's say a man marries an Alanis and he intended to marry her, and he knew what was going on, and then he marries a, uh, and then he marries a uh, another woman also. So the islandess um, is pitur from yibum, which, which I think you can understand the whole, the whole, if the whole goal of the pasuk is lahakim shem lachicha, right? That, that, that he should marry the brother, the brother should marry his wife, his brother's wife, and then have a child with her, and they could continue the legacy of the brother. That's going to be impossible if the if the wife is an islandess. So the, um, so again. Rav Asin's opinion is that not only is the Alanis Petur from Yibum, but she also patters the Tzara. Um, again, these are not scenarios where there's an Isra Erva to the, uh, to the brother, but some other, some other you know, extenuating circumstance that made Yibum not, not practical or not permissible um, in this case. So, um, so, so again, so Rav is of the opinion that the case is a, um, a, woman, a, a woman who was a Sota, the man was married to a Sota, a woman who had committed adultery, so he's, he's of the opinion that not only she doesn't do Yibam, but her Tsar doesn't do Yibam. And same thing in Rav Asi, if they were married to an islandess, not only she does not, does not do Yibam, but her Tsar wouldn't have to do Yibam either. And those are the two cases that the Gemara at this point assumes is, is being, are being excluded. So Gemara says, okay, fine. So that's why there's 15 and not 17. So Gemara says, Rav and Rav Asi, Nim Utemai. But according to them, who are we excluding? Meaning according to Rav and Rav Asi, they think their cases are included. Uh, they think their cases at least should be included. So according to them, who who's being excluded by the fifteen? So it says Gemara, if they agree with each other, I mean they both think the other one is correct. Um, so what are those these two cases? So Mima Enes, we mentioned before, is a case of a woman who does what's called Mion. That's a young woman who gets married before she is bas mitzvah, and she doesn't have a father to marry her off, which halakhali he can do. But if, her, if she's an orphan, so her, her father was not there to marry her off, her brother or her mother can marry her to another man, um, but they don't have the power to create kiddushin like the father can. And that's why she has the permissibility, she has the ability, before she becomes a gadola, to say, to do mian, which basically means she just refuses the marriage. Doesn't, she doesn't need a get, she doesn't need anything. She just says, I'm not interested anymore. And if she does that, she goes free. But as we mentioned before, that type of marriage is really only a marriage midra banan, not a marriage midra raisa. So when she, so she can do the reason she can do mian and doesn't need a uh, a full get is because she's not really married to him midra raisa. So let's pretend to our case. If we're talking about a case of yibum, right? If the man is if, if so, here's what happens in this case. The the scenario in Ma'enes is that look at Rashi on the, on the left side, the, the last wide line on the top. Saras Ma'enes harisha hayla achiv yisoma. Kitana v'isha acheres. He's married. This this brother was married to a again this katana who was Yisoma. She has no no parent, no father, and she's also a katana. And he has another wife also. Umes, and then the man dies. Umi ana hakatana biyavamze. And the girl says, "I'm not interested. I don't want to be married." And she basically says, "By the yavam, I'm not interested. I don't want, I don't want this relationship." He um, v'tzarasa asurlo. Then they both become forbidden to him. 
So here, what's going on here? They may not be allowed to yibam, but chalitza is still required. Why? Because, again, the whole reason that Sarah is, is petura typically is because her co-wife is, has some type of isra to yibam. Here, the, the, the situation of, um, of Mion, the girl really had no zika midaris in the first place. Right? She's only married to the brother Midirabana. So this brother, Shimon, was married to woman A and woman B, and woman A wasn't really even married to him, Midiraisa. So what happens with woman B? She should really have to do Yibam with her, with the, with the, with the brother. So the fact that, that, that this other girl was sort of married, she's a katana, she does Mion, etc. So once she does Mion, we say, the whole thing's off, no Yibam with anybody. However, they're not Petur Min, min Chalitza. The, the, you have to do Chalitza, in order to make sure um, everyone understands that uh, they were really, that they, you know, to make sure that there's no connection at all. Because really, you could argue, Midaraisa, that this Tzara had a real connection to the Yavam because, again, her, her co wife was only married to the original husband, Midrabana. Uh, so that's one example that's being excluded. And the other example is Master Grushaso. What's the example of Master Grushaso? We'll just explain this and then we'll stop. Master Grushaso says Rashi. Achiv shegirish achas mishtena. If a man is married to two women, he divorces one of them. Venises laachar, and then she goes ahead and marries somebody else. What's the halacha? The halacha is if for non kohen, if he divorces his wife, he can remarry her as long as she hasn't married somebody else. But if, he, if you divorce your wife and then she marries somebody else, then she becomes a surah la'olam, and you can never marry her again. So what happened in this case? She married somebody else, and then ve'avar ve'hichzira laachar mises bala. So she marries somebody else. That man dies, and now the, now the original husband takes her back and marries her again. And that's a, marri- that's a marriage b'isr. Umeis b'lobanim. And now this man who had been machzer grushaso, he married the woman again, he himself dies without children. Shten asuros yavim. They're now both forbidden to get to, uh, again, this woman who was, the, who was the grusha who came back, and the co-wife are both now asr to do yibam. Nevertheless, the implication again is that they require chalitza. Why that is, we'll have to see because the Master Grushaso, again, she herself is not really supposed to be married to him again. Uh, so we'll explain uh, the rest of this as we go forward. But bottom line is, that's the, that, th- those are two possibilities of the, uh, who the Mishnah is trying to uh, exclude when it mentions the number 15 in, uh, specifically. And we will continue tomorrow.